Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to the River 1030 service. So good to see you guys this morning. Welcome to everyone watching online. So thankful you're able to make it. We pray that you will experience the presence of God. You might have caught the top of Chris's head on that, but that's okay. We're family here. It's super fun. So anyway, we love you guys. Let's jump into worship this morning.
this morning we don't have lyrics that's because my laptop is locked in my car at the beach so if you want to open up your bible apps and sing along feel free to do that but this next song might be a little unfamiliar to you so if it is i just encourage you to let these these words wash over your heart this morning
sing it one last time. I'll praise. Thanks, Chris. Good morning, River family. It's good to be with you. It's been a couple years since I was last uh, here with you, so it's always a blessing to reconnect. Uh, a couple things, as Chris mentioned, my name is Angel, and I'm here actually with my wife, Andrea, so if you don't mind, Andrea waving. She loves when I do that. Um, we are, as Chris mentioned, missionaries that the River has been supporting now for some time, and I just wanted to come and say thank you. We've actually been doing a number of different projects. A few of them include working with kids in the inner city here in Los Angeles, as well as raising up leaders in East LA and South LA. Uh, the hope is to not only raise them up, but to help them become change agents in their community. So that's a part of an extension of what you've been sowing into. And then also uh, we've been able to establish a Bible school training center down in Southern Mexico, down in Oaxaca. And that's something that I didn't anticipate seeing happen, but uh, we started back in August with this idea of planting over 100 churches. Uh, we started with 16 and are currently at 21. And uh, in establishing this Bible school, our hope is to be able to develop and train the leaders that would end up becoming those pastors. So you are a part of that, River, and thank you. The other uh, thing that I wanted to do was uh, let you know for the men that are in the house today, there's a Friday morning men's Bible study that's been happening now for several years. Uh, it's at 6.30 a.m., and I've actually been a part of it now for over three years. Uh, it's been phenomenal to grow together with uh, other guys. Uh, we've been diving deep recently in the book of John, and we're about to wrap that book up and actually go into the book of James. And I see Trevor and Mike. I know you guys are a part of it. If you guys want to just wave your hand. I don't know if anyone else is here that's a part of it. But uh, in the back, oh, is that Hans? Hey, Hans, good to see you. Uh, our hope is to invite you to come and be a part of it. Uh, throughout the pandemic, we've been doing it via Zoom, so no issues there. But we're thinking about kind of revisiting meeting up again the group meets physically when we go back down in the Riviera if you want more information see any one of us we can 
share a little bit more about what it looks like. It's a one hour long, 6.30 to 7.30, and we'd love for you to join us. So I'll be sticking around here in the back, and I'd love to hear more from you. So blessings. Thanks, Angel. All right. Without further ado, I get to have the privilege to bring up Bill, a man of the people, a man of the water that I got to see in the water just the other day, living this South Bay life. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Chris. Awesome. Always good to see you out there surfing. There are really good ways at the beach this morning. As Chris said, my name's Bill, and I'm one of the teaching pastors here at the river, and I get the privilege of caring for our staff and uh, cleaning mics, and uh, it is a joy. One of the things I really love doing is I love being able to open up God's Word and... Um, see what the Holy Spirit's going to do amongst us in our lives together. And uh, when I think about this crowd that's here and I look at the people at home, I think about all the river folks, it just, it makes me realize that your life is a story. In fact, your life is a series of short stories that Though not perfect, right? Because we, we don't have the ability to live perfect lives. And anyone that says they are, um, I don't know. Maybe they're struggling a little bit. But the reality is, is that we get to choose to live beautiful lives. Our story, your story, your individual story connected to the collective stories can be a really beautiful thing. The reality is, though, I have to tell you, you, you're not the center of the story. And that may come as a blow to you, uh, because so much of the narrative today is telling us that we're, we're the center. You know, we can be everything we want to be, and it's all about us. But most of the problems in the world are dialed back to the reality that we get the arrangement of the stories wrong. Our story is a subplot in the much bigger story, the much grander story, the story that we can't even imagine how vast it is, the story of God. And he invites us to take our little story and find its beauty inside of his. And that's our mission, is to discover where we fit in in God's grand story. That's what the art of following Jesus has been all about. We've been looking at the words and ways of Jesus and letting them shape us. And what I've discovered is that the more that I immerse myself in Jesus' words and the more I take a look and follow his ways, it begins to shape me. And there are a billion narratives that assault us, that pummel us, that influence us all the time. And Jesus is a voice that says, hey, here I am. I want you to choose to follow me, my words and my ways. And that's been the journey that we've been on in living out our vision. And today we talk about story. Because one of our core values here is to share this story with the world. 
the most beautiful story. We celebrated Easter last week, the resurrection of Jesus. We have such a beautiful story to tell, and we get to become part of that. So this morning, I, I want to look at three stories. There's always three stories, by the way. We're going to look at the story of Jesus, the story of a man, and the story of the community in which he found himself living. And that's our story. There's a fellow named Donald Miller, wrote a great workbook called Storyline, and he discovered that film writers, screenwriters, they, they, they basically follow this formula in writing a good story. And this is what he says. A story is simply this. A character that wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. If you got your brown notebook, that might be a good thing to write down. It's brilliant. A story is simply this a character that wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. Just think of your favorite movie. Maybe it's Braveheart. Maybe it's uh, another, like, rom-com. I'm, I'm not sure what's your favorite movie, but that's the plot line. That's the plot line of all stories. In fact, that's the plot line of God's big story. God is a character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. And I want to encourage you to listen to Luke Schroeder. Luke is our student ministries pastor. To listen to his 10-minute conversation where Todd interviewed him and talked about testimony. And this is what Luke said. Luke said, a testimony, like in a court of law, is a personal story that reflects upon an experience. But then he went on to add our testimony about this subplot within God's greater story. And he said, a personal story that reflects upon an experience with the living God. That's the words and ways of Jesus. It's our reflection, our reaction, our interaction with what Jesus is doing in our lives. And the reality is, is that real life is colorful, right? Real life is often messy. We think that our something that we want, we're just going to keep going up, 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 up until we get it. But really, the trajectory is something quite different. It's up and then it's down. <laughs> and then maybe it's up again. And then actually we go backwards. And then we keep going and we, we go up. And then there's turns in life, both positive and negative. That's our story in reflection on what Jesus is doing in our lives. And I've asked Matt if he'd come on up here. Matt, come on up. Um, yeah. And uh, Matt, uh, you'll recognize him. He's usually back there on the drums. And uh, I just noticed that there's just been like a change in Matt. And he, he's coming to the worship gatherings, even when he's not playing the drums. And so I, I thought I'd just ask Matt a couple questions. And Matt, I took your microphone, so we're going to trade back and forth, okay? <laughs> so uh, I'm really going to ask you three questions. Will, will, you, will you just reflect on 
recently your relationship with Jesus. What, what has been that engagement with Jesus in your life the last week, the last three months, the last few years? Thank you, Bill. Um, I guess quick for those, yeah, for those who don't know me, um, my name is Matt Jamelli. I'm somewhat new here. Um, I've played drums here a couple of times um, uh, before and a couple of years ago. Um, so Bill asked, uh, repeat your question again. <laughs> How has he impacted my life? Very good. Well, okay. First of all, I guess this is for the kids out there. Um, if you notice, I'm probably dressed like the stereotypical American dad at a barbecue. This is a, um, a circumstance of um, being too lazy to get off my butt and do laundry. So this is your future. You see this? <laughs> all of this is your future if you don't let Jesus impact your life in certain ways, including getting off your butt to do laundry. Um, and that's my entire life story. Um, sorry, in, in all seriousness. Um, Jesus um, has been a part of my life, um, I want to say, since I was born. My mom, uh, my mom is sitting right over there. Hi, mom. Um, yes, give her a, <laughs> give her a hand. Um, anyway, I was raised um, in, a, in a Christian home and had Christian values imparted into me at a young age. And um, if I was going to go through my life and go through sections of my life, I would say that as I got, as I got older, the more life that I experienced, um, I found my relationship with Jesus both changing and being nurtured, as well as different areas of my life being affected um, and impacted in, in different ways. Um, as far as family goes, I would say that... Um, Maybe she can attest to it, or maybe she has a completely different viewpoint. I'd like to think that I was a somewhat low-maintenance kid, um, and she might call me out right now. Oh, yeah, she's, she's shaking. Good. <laughs> she's shaking, yes. Um, I would like to think that I was a somewhat low-maintenance kid, and even that, even from, a, even from, believe it or not, I used to be about yay high, yay high. Um, even from that, I would say that the, um, the Christian values that were imparted into myself and um, I have two younger brothers. Um, I would say that, that 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 played a very large role in being a, being kind of a low maintenance child, um, as well as as well as the other two brothers. Um, and I believe that carried over into the re into other portions of my life. And as I got older, it um, it helped become responsible for my general demeanor and disposition, I guess. Um, that's 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 just within the immediate family. Obviously, everyone's got a everyone's got a story, and it's uh, um, you know, everyone's story can be like hours and hours long. Um, so I'm gonna try to condense everything. I'm gonna pass the mic off to Bill to see what else, <laughs> what other things gonna prompt me. So if part of our story is wanting something and overcoming conflict to get it, how has Jesus helped you to overcome? some conflict in your life to get to this point where you're at right now? Um, in, many way, in many ways, obviously. Um, I'm, like Bill said, I'm not going to stand up here and pretend that 
I'm perfect or anywhere close to perfect. Um, and as I said before, the older I got, the 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 more the more Jesus like like my relationship with Jesus would change and impact my life. And I would say one of the one of the main things is that as I got older, I started becoming more aware of my of the choices I would make, small choices, big choices, big life choices. And um, what I would say is that, is that when I'd be making a decision that, because I'd, because I'd, I'd had Christian values imparted into me since I was little, when I'd be making a decision, even small, like a small decision that I knew was not of, of the word, that was not of God, I would feel, I don't know if people, you know, everyone feels different things inside, but I'd feel um, the word conflict, literally like an inner conflict. I don't know if it's, if, if, it's, if it's what you would call a spiritual conflict or anything like that, but you feel an inner conflict when you know that you're doing something that you're not supposed to be doing. And um, again, I'm not perfect, and so, and so even though I, I believe that I've become better about being aware of my of the choices that I make like that, um, this is a recurring, it's still a recurring thing. Um, we're all sinners. However, I would say um, there's the verse, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Through Jesus, through my relationship um, with Jesus, and especially in, I would say, the last, um, the last, three months to a year, um, I've, um, I've had the wonderful (laughs) opportunity. I say opportunity, but really, you know, my whole life I've had the opportunity, but the last three months to the past year, I've been willing to dive a little bit more, more deeply, um, into the word of the Lord. And through these inner, these inner, um, turmoils, conflicts, um, whatever you, whatever word you want to call them. I've also been able to, um, find peace through Jesus. And, um, I would say that it's one of the things that, um, the more you get into the word, the more you let it, you allow it to become, to become a part of you. It affects the rest of the people around you because they can because it, it radiates. It kind of shines, I think. And um, you know, sometimes p- people won't be able to put their finger on it, but I'm, I'm I'm sure many of you have noticed that sometimes people might make a comment that says there's something that there's something different about about you. You know what I mean? There's something different, or you you do something differently. People might not be able to put a like, finger on like what it is. I believe what it is is that's that's Jesus radiating through us. So I I think that is actually that may be one of the largest impacts that Jesus has had um that Jesus has had on my life and my relationship with Jesus has had. Matt, Matt thank you so much. That was awesome. We are so proud of you and so happy to have you part of our community. And uh, you and Patrick, you do that. You do that, Jimbe, really good, man. It's really, really good. 
Thank you. Oh, it's so good. We could just uh, close now and bring bring uh, the worship band up and 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 be done. But I I, I want to invite you into this story. These three stories. And if you got a Bible, I want to uh, encourage you open it up to Mark five. And if it's on your phone, you got a paper Bible. Um, we are about the words and ways of Jesus, and so I want to look at His words, and I'll make some observations. But um, the first story is the story of Jesus, and I just want to say his story is way, way bigger than we could possibly imagine. In fact, going two weeks ago, James gave us this beautiful overview of the big story of God, but let me just give it to you in 30 seconds. Movement one, creation. God said it's very, very good. Quickly, movement two, we moved to the fall, and it was very very bad. Movement three, God decides to engage in a rescue operation, and he did that through a nation, through a people, his own people, to rescue us. But that didn't go so well for that nation. Movement four, God comes down from heaven in Jesus to fulfill that rescue operation. In fact, last week we celebrated Easter the resurrection, Jesus says, it is finished. He accomplished what his father wanted him to do. But in one sense, it's not finished because after Jesus, the trajectory of the story has been headed back to the garden to restore everything that was lost and stolen through the fall of humankind and bring us back to that garden. It's this beautiful picture of a new creation. And we pray we pray, Father, may your kingdom come on earth just as it is in heaven. So movement six is, what about you? We have a part to play in this. Our individual stories getting caught up in the story of Jesus. And we can work right now to bring his kingdom priorities, his kingdom vision into the world around us and through our story. So here's a story. There's three, Jesus, the man, and his community. Verse 1 of Mark chapter 5. So they went across the lake. That's the disciples and Jesus. They got in a boat, and they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. Now, this was a dark area. This was a place of great unbelief, of paganism, and evil, it, I, I've even been there, and I, I felt a darkness when I went across the lake into this particular region. And it says, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Just a couple observations about this. And you can put yourself into this story, whether it's literally because this literally happened to this man, or metaphorically, you could 
identify with him in your own story, the ups and the downs in your story. But my observation is that Jesus is going to show up in unexpected places. He's not predictable. And you can't put him in a box. And he's going to show up when he wants and where he wants. And sometimes it might surprise us, even to the point where we don't recognize it. The other observation is that Jesus is going to show up in the darkest places. The darkest places of your life. And this year has been a dark place for many of us. A place where some have felt isolated, where there's been great loss, where because of that isolation there is increasing anxiety. And we felt like this is very, very dark. I wish that this man had someone quote to him Psalm 139. Here's a portion. The writer says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me tight. Jesus will cross any sea to find you in an unexpected place that might be dark. He's after you. He's relentless. This is a rescue story. Another observation, Jesus is not afraid of the dark. Now, you and I might be afraid of the dark. When you were six, maybe you crawled into your parents' bed because you were really afraid of the dark. And there might be some places in the dark where you're afraid, even right now, the unknown, the things that are confusing to you the 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 lack of clarity about where your business is going to go and how school is going to play out there are some dark places jesus is not afraid of the darkest place you've ever been he will go right into it with courage and no fear when i think about this man and jesus Jesus' story is going to intersect. It's going to interrupt. It's going to collide with our story. He's always on the move. Always drawing you out with your story into his. And we'll see soon in this passage that Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus is Lord of all powers in charge. So let's take a look at the story of the man. And uh, there's some things about him that are really, really sad. This text tells us that he had, a, he had an impure spirit. It says that he lived in the tombs and the hills. He had no home. No home, no family. He was completely isolated. You know, the pandemic has made us much more isolated. And we may not yet know the full impact on us personally, on our community, our nation, and our world from the kind of isolation that we've had to go through. This is a worldwide 
pandemic. And mental health issues have just gone through the roof. And many of you have been wise to seek help and not do this alone. But those who have been isolated discover that isolation always gives evil, it always gives problem more power. It says that he was naked. Luke, when he tells this story, he says, for a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house. He's a broken man. It says he was chained hand and foot. There was no one strong enough to subdue him. Somehow his community decided that he needed to be chained up and subdued. This word subdued, it's a word for tame. You know we tame animals. And somehow this man had been moved and put into the category of an animal. And you know there is a time when external restraints have to be put into place to protect a person from themselves or others from him. But those of you that work with people, those of you that understand the dynamic of what's happening in the human psyche and emotions and spiritual issues and also demonic kind of things, you know that external restraints rarely are effective in bringing healing to the internal reality of brokenness. We have to go from the inside out. And yet we try over and over and over again. And the text says that night and day he would cry out. And maybe you felt like that sometimes. Like in, in, in the hard moments, you just want to scream. <laughs> you just want to yell. You want to yell at someone. You want to yell at the sky. You want to yell at God. And here's this guy in the tombs, in the hills, isolated, alone, breaking chains, and just crying out in the middle of the night. Is there something that can help? And then it says that he cut himself with stones. In the early 2000s, I did a lot of research on cutting. Kids actually injuring themselves, cutting themselves, causing scars, making themselves to bleed. And there just was such a dramatic rise in adolescents cutting themselves. I asked some of them, you know, what, what's going on? Well, uh, you know, I, I do this to, to just make sure I'm alive. Make sure I'm alive. I, I do this because somehow it helps me to, to like leak the pain out, to get the pain out. And some said, I, I just do this because I feel like I need to punish myself. I need to hurt myself. And the hurt makes me somehow feel better about how horrible I think about myself. And here's this man, broken, alone, among the tombs, having been chained up by the community, and he's cutting himself with stones. Now, this was literal for him. And oftentimes, for us, cutting is literal. We hurt ourselves in all sorts of ways. But we can find our story 
in certain ways that we, we feel like we have to somehow scream and cut and hurt in order to get relief. Look at verse 6. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, Legion, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again not to send them out of the area. This man runs and falls on his knees in front of Jesus. And I don't know how we separate out the difference between the man and the evil inside of him. But this man somehow knew that he needed to get to Jesus for help. But at the same time, evil always recognizes the power of God when it enters our world through Jesus, even though we may not. We may be oblivious to the presence of that power of God. Evil knows it. You're the son of the most high God. And he said, my name is Legion. You know, Legion, that's a term for a Roman military legion. There are 6,000 foot soldiers and 120 horsemen in a Roman legion. This dude had a boatload of problems. And sometimes you might feel the same way in terms of, wow, when is it going to end? Problem after problem after problem. How do I deal with this? And at the top of his voice, what do you want to do with me Jesus, son of the most high God. You know what the answer is? Jesus says, I want to make you whole. That is always Jesus' mission with us. He wanted to make this man whole for him to be thriving, for him to be flourishing, for him to be full of joy in community. That is Jesus' mission for this man. And it's his mission for you and for me as well. God's story, he wants something. And he'll overcome any conflict to get it. God wants you. And he will overcome any conflict to get it. Believe me, the cross of Jesus Christ was the greatest conflict in human history. And he overcame it in the resurrection. Verse 11. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Now, I want you to notice Jesus did not kill the pigs. Jesus didn't send the demons into the pigs. And I'm an animal lover, but I, I got to be honest. I'm not going to lie. I think it would have been pretty cool to watch this thing happen. I mean, 2,000 pigs rushing down a hillside off a cliff into the lake. Now, these people didn't like it. 
And I wouldn't want 2,000 pigs to die that way. There's a third story here, and it's this man's community. It's his family. It's his friends. It's his neighbors. Verse 14. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Now, I don't know what they were afraid of. Was it just fear? I have seen the power of God on this hillside. Or were they the kind of people that were fearful for themselves and they actually couldn't celebrate the fact that the man was sitting there clothed finally and in his right mind? They missed the whole point of what was actually happening here. They pleaded with Jesus to leave the region. I think that is what evil does. Jesus, we know who you are, and we know you have the power over us, so please leave. Verse 18. As Jesus was getting into the boat, now I want you to notice, they pleaded with Jesus to leave the region, and what did Jesus do? He left. Tragic. He got into the boat, and the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Jesus told them, no, you, you can't come with me. Wait, wait, I'm a disciple. I'm supposed to follow you, Jesus. No, no, not in this situation. I want you to go, and I want you to tell people your story. Because you have a story. You have a beautiful story. And there's been a lot of pain, a lot of darkness, a lot of ups and downs. But you've come to a place where you have a beautiful story to tell. And I want you to go to the Decapolis, the ten cities around the Gerasenes. And I, I just merely want you to tell the story, the story of how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. That's our story. It's really quite simple. And notice what he says. He began to tell how much Jesus had done for him. He put the connection between the Lord, God, Yahweh, and said it was Jesus. Jesus had mercy on me. I want to tell you what Jesus has done for me. My final word before Denise comes up for some time of reflection. Donald Miller said, a story is simply this. A character that wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. That's our life. 
That's the life that you and I are living. And to quote our own Luke Schroeder once again, our testimony is a personal story that reflects upon an experience with the living God. That's what a testimony is. And I want to tell you something. You have a story, and you are the most qualified person to tell that story. I can't tell Matt's story. Matt is the one that can tell his story. Oh, I don't have a story to tell. I'm, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a teaching pastor like Bill. Hey, look it. Knock me down off the pedestal, okay? Jesus said, you don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to be a disciple for three years. Just tell your story. What the Lord has done for you and how Jesus has shown you mercy. And you and I can do that. So Godwin's going to come up. He's going to play some beautiful music. And Denise is going to come and just lead us into a time of reflection. If you've got your brown notebooks or your phone, there might be some important things to share. I hope you heard today that um, one of the most beautiful things about Jesus is that he meets us wherever we're at. He sees us, even in our darkest hour, and he wants to give us hope and healing. I remember one of the, um, there's been so many times, but when I was sitting listening to Bill, I was thinking about one of the darkest hours of my life. Um... And I've shared it before, but it was just a time that I go back to over and over again. My son was sick um, with mental health issues and had been hospitalized for over eight months. And at about month six, when he hadn't been home and hadn't been back in our house, I cried out to the Lord over and over again for him to meet me and give me hope. And it was so hard to believe that he cared. And um, I would lay on my living room floor and ask him to see my son and to see me and Todd and our family and for him to meet us and give us hope and help us believe that he could move my son into a new space. And um, one day in one of the worst days, um, I, think, I remember it was in April. This woman, we had this house where there was a courtyard and there were stairs that led down into the courtyard. And this woman that I'd never seen before and I didn't know came in and she had this bucket of daffodils. And it was right when they were blooming, you know, at Traders. And just, I couldn't even count how many daffodils there were. And I felt like God was saying, Denise, I love you. I'm bringing you this beautiful gift through this woman that you don't even know to remind you that I see you and that I care. And even in your darkest hour, I'm with you. I'm beside you. I'm for you. I'm for your son. 
I want to I want to share that story with you because I want you to know that no matter where you're at today, no matter what you face this year, that he he sees you, that he cares, that he's with you. He's with you. And I would encourage you just to call out to him like the man in Mark 5 and just tell him how you feel. Tell him where you're hopeless. Tell him the desire of your heart. And believe him to be with you in that. So let me just pray and then just take a few minutes to think about where Jesus has met you. A lot of times now when I go back into that place of darkness or fear, I go back to when he met me there and it reminds me of how he'll walk with me in the future. So I want you to just spend a few minutes, God, just as we sit in reflection, we want to remember how you have come close. God, we, we want to remember how you can, you can mobilize people to love and care for us in our need. You can use community to see our heart, to show us that you see our heart. God, your presence, you are so faithful and committed to us, and you're going to find us wherever we are, and we can then share about how we have had an encounter with you. So God, as we sit in quiet, help us to remember the times where you saw us. Help us to remember the times where we had an encounter with you so that whatever we face in the future, we are reminded that you seek us out, that you are our healer and you will be with us. And if you just need someone um, to pray for you, um, Todd and Amanda, well, not Amanda, James, a few of us will be in the back, and uh, we'd love to pray with you if you're wanting that this morning, too.
prayed with us, Lord, we set those things in front of you. The pain, the disappointment, the needs in our lives, Lord. Places we don't understand. When we don't know what to pray, we simply invite you in. We simply invite your love in. So, Lord, would you help us this morning position our hearts to receive the love, the perfect love of Christ the relentless love of Christ. Let's sing this together. You were a lover before time's beginning. And you
Thanks for worshiping with us. We love you guys. It's always fun to end on a low note, but isn't God good? It's fun to celebrate him. We hope that you have such a good day. Everyone online, we hope that you felt the love of God today in this message and as Bill shared with us. We'll see you this week sometime. Maybe at a grow, grow oh dang it, I always get it wrong. Grounded group. There we go. I keep saying it all. But anyway, we love you guys. Bless you. Have a great day. We'll see you next week.